Welcome to The Naked Podcaster. I'm your host, Jen Taylor. A huge thank you and shout out to NGBN TV for sponsoring this video podcast episode. In today's episode, we have on Paul Forcioni, born with cerebral palsy. His mom was told he'd never walk. Not only did he walk, he played varsity high school baseball, got into mortgage loan sales, but felt the call to be a life coach. authentic they wanted to kind of americanize it so they kept the uh the, the spelling but they pronounced it fortune and that's why it's fortune today so i grew up in rhode island and very italian and portuguese i was definitely a minority and that's why when you came on i'm like is it fortune because my brain went to rhode island and italian yeah it went right there not that i would have pronounced it correctly anyway <laughs> i was going that direction for sure um your website is a call to action dot coach. So I want to jump in a lot and talk about that. Tell me about a call to action. Okay. Well, basically I want to help clients improve their mindset so that they could be more productive at work. So they could be more present for their friends and family. And more importantly, so they feel better on the inside because that's the most important part is to feel good on the inside, to feel good about yourself. And that is my main goal with my business. I was so excited when I pulled it up and I landed on, you know, the landing page and it says struggling with negative thoughts, learn to improve your mindset because my business outside of the podcast is coaching people to change their mindset, to live with more gratitude and joy. So we are actually very, very aligned in, in what we do and, but we do it in very different ways. So I was super excited about this. Tell me about helping people achieve their goals. You, you do several different things. Yeah, so basically, it's just basically what their, their, pers pers their goal is. It could be as simply as make more friends. I don't want to be shy. I, I want to be happier. Or it could be I want to start a new business or I want to move up in my company or I want to travel the world or I want to I move somewhere I've never been before. Whatever, whatever it is, you know, we start to come up with a plan to get you where you want to be. And, and basically my clients do the heavy lifting. Basically my, my job is to, you know, to keep them on course and to keep them motivated because a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, when I have a session with a client, the, the beginning of the session, I can feel that their tone and their, their mood is low. And my job as a coach is to hopefully improve it. So hopefully by the end of the session, that they are a little bit more upbeat and go, okay, you know, uh, you know I was a little bit hard on myself there. And I saw, I hear what you're saying. And then after the, the session, they're going to go, okay, I can breathe. Let's move forward. You know, so basically you need me when, when you're in the weeds, when everything is good, you know, I'm not as valuable, but when you're in the weeds and, and you still know what, where to go next, that's, that's where I come into play to, you know, to, to be that voice to go, you know what, you're doing the right things, you know, because people, we doubt ourselves all the time with the, limit beliefs. And if I could point out things that they're doing correctly and say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're doing great right there. Why, why are you putting yourself down? You're, you're doing awesome there. Don't keep going with that. And, uh, you know, just try to break that, that, that limited belief system that everybody has, uh, that, you know, that they're capable of so much more than they can ever believe. And, and that's, you know, that's the name of the game for me anyway. I actually love that. I know we're going to come back to that through this interview that you're capable of being more and you'll help people. Like I saw one thing on your website. If people need help rebuilding their wet resume. Yes, I, I, I definitely can help that. I have, uh, you know, I have uh, friends that are in the HR business or HR side of things. So, you know, we, you know, we try to structure it if, that, if that's what they need. If they're looking for a job, I'm not really a recruiter, but if, if they need some help with, 
you know, building the resume, I have uh, resources that, that can help them. That's not my main thing, but yeah, absolutely. If they, if they need help with that, I will do that. Even something like, I don't want to say as small as that, because when I was in the rebuilding my resume, it can be very stressful, but you can still have imposter syndrome. You can still talk yourself down. You can still feel like you don't deserve or have the training or the education or whatever for that job. It's still a mindset thing, even when you're building out a resume, because you have to say, this is who I am and what I can do and feel like that's correct. So I imagine even with that, you know, that oh, yeah, they'll, they'll, I'll, I'll, I'll have it out and they'll be like, oh, I, I don't know about that. I don't feel like I'm that. I'm like, sure you are that. You're just saying you're not, but you are that. You know, you, you, uh, there's a great saying uh, that escapes me, but, but basically it's, it's, it's you know, you, you believe in what you are. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you believe that you're this, you know, low-level person, that's that's what's going to project in, in your day-to-day -day life. But if you believe that you have it, that the universe is on your side, that will project that way in, in you know, your daily activities. Yeah, and people, I mean, not everybody has to have an entrepreneurial mindset to want to move up the corporate ladder. I mean, there are a lot of people that are that love what they're doing, but they want more change in it or diversity or encouragement. And I just like that you said that, you know, even finding in answers for interview questions or a business plan, you really break things down into goals and steps, correct? Yes, absolutely. Depending on what it is, because you know, if I, if, if you have such a daunting goal, you know, you're going to be like, oh, forget it, forget it. But if we could break it down one step at a time, then it, and then it becomes more simple for you. You, you, you go, okay, okay, I can do that. You know, I, I turn on my computer and, you know, put some things together. I can do that. And then, oh, I, I, I completed that task. Okay. Now here's your second task. And we just keep going and going. We build and we build and we build. My favorite, one of my favorite sayings is you can't eat an elephant in one bite. And that's, I mean, that's all that that's saying is that sometimes it takes, it's a little bit all the time. It's compound interest, right? It's just small, easy, daily actions moving forward to accomplish something bigger. So you're, that's exactly what you're doing. Who are the people that find you most? Are they entrepreneurs that really have um, goals or is it, what, who is it? It's, it's basically people that, um, uh, that, have a, that do have a, a, a good growth mindset but are, are kind of just stuck, kind of, uh, you know, have that limited belief that, like, I, I know I can do gr great things, but I, I just don't know how to get started. And th that's pretty much the, the clients that I get, you know, whether it's start a business or, or a lot of times it's, it's – you know, we talk about the business and stuff like that, but but it becomes more personal. It comes into you know, well, you know what? Uh, I really, you know, I, I really want to make more friends. I don't have any friends, or or you know, I I, I want to ask my you know, uh, uh, boyfriend or girlfriend to be mar married, but I'm scared about the future. So it turns into more of a personal thing uh, than anything else with me. It's it's basically, like I said, improving that mindset that you know get rid of that limited belief system that, you know, if you feel, if you, my favorite saying is if you believe you can achieve and, and that's basically what, how we go about it. I think, correct me if you disagree. I think everything in business is connected to personal. A hundred, I a hundred percent agree with that in, in some way or form it is. It's a, it's, it's an extension of your personality. Your business is an extension of your personality. So yeah, 100% agreed with that statement, yes. So if they're worried about like setting goals and doing things, but they wanna have friends, like although those two things to them may seem completely disconnected, they're actually, it's like a straight line from one to the other, those limiting beliefs. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I had a friend uh, or, or not, well, it's a friend now who's a client. Uh, he wanted to uh, own, a, own a, a bar restaurant and come to find out what he really wanted. He, he didn't have very many friends. And he, basically what he thought was if I owned the, uh, a, a bar or restaurant that, you know, that he'd be able to meet people and, and such. So, you know, uh, the, the business didn't go well, but he gained so many, so much more friendship from it that, that he does not regret opening it 
because of the uh, of the uh, friendships and, and and people that he met, he wouldn't have if he didn't uh, uh, try that that uh, opening up the bar. That is such a great direct connection. That's like Cheers. I used to watch Cheers when I was. That aged me probably, but you know, you want to go someplace and feel at home and have people that know you and connect with you. So that's a lot of work to have friends. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. It is because everybody's different, different personalities. People have different buttons that, that set them off. So it, it's, it's very hard, especially, you know, in, in the time that we're living in right now, everybody's really heightened sensitive about, you know, everything that's going on, which is rightly so, but you know, it, it just brings a lot of stress to, you know, people and friendships just with, with everything's going on with pandemic and protests and everything else. Yeah. At the time that we're recording this, we're in the middle of a pandemic and riots at the same time because, and what, there were killer wasps or something too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we are, we're recording at a time that we're going through that. Has there been a big shift in your business because of 2020 and how much has shifted? Yeah, I think that, 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 that a lot of people, because of, you know, the uh, events that have been going around since 2020 started, uh, you know, come up a little, little bit more of a negative mindset, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot more anger. I'm, I'm seeing a lot more sadness and, you know, we get to the root of the problem and, and a lot of it stems from fear, you know, fear of, of, of the unknown. And once, once people, you know, acknowledge because being vulnerable is a strength, not a weakness. If you can be vulnerable, that is power. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to put on this facade, men and women, that, oh, you know, I got this, I, everything like that. But no, no, no. If you are, I tell my clients this all the time. If you're sad or angry, don't feel ashamed that you're sad or angry. That's your emotion. You're entitled to feel this emotion. But I do tell them this. I go, you know, at what point in time do you want to stop feeling, you know, sad or angry? And at that point, you have awareness and going, okay, you know what? Now I don't want to feel those emotions anymore. How can I push through and not, not have that, that feeling anymore? But to feel those emotions, that's being human. And that's so okay to feel those emotions. Never feel ashamed about being angry or sad because something happened that, that triggered that. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah, I imagine that you would see more, anytime there's uncertainty, it just really plays on the fears and limited beliefs you already have that are existing. It just heightens some of that or definitely brings them up to the surface. Let's go back in time. Okay. All right. All right. Great. Uh, do you want me to get into uh, my, my personal story or? Yes, yes, yes. Let's Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So, uh, my, my story started like everybody else as an infant, but when I was uh, an infant, I was di diagnosed with something called cerebral palsy. And basically what it is, it affects one side of the body, affects motor skills, it can uh, lead to limited um, mobility, paralyzation, um, and apparently uh, the, the cerebral palsy that I had was so severe that the doctor told my mom that I will never be able to walk and that I need to get used to being in a wheelchair. Well, thank goodness that my mom didn't take that diagnosis and, 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 and just give up. She didn't. She went on and got second, third, fourth, and fifth opinions on it. Finally came across the doctor that felt that, they, uh, that, that he could help me. And that's when my kind of my physical uh, therapy journey started, intense th physical therapy for 10 years of my life. Um, my first big break uh, when I was, I believe, three or so, I was able to, to walk, which was, was, which, which was a great break for me. And then when I um, turned five, my mom put me into soccer, you know, different sports and stuff. And uh, it was a little defeating for me because you'd have all these other kids that'd be able to run laps. And uh, my, my dad had to go to the coach and say, oh, my boy, he can only go 20 to 50 yards. And I felt so sad and, and, and I just wanted to fit in with the other kids and I didn't. Um, and then after that, I got my, my second big break. I, I was able to get surgery on my right foot to get a little bit more mobility. And uh, I'll never forget this. I, I switched schools at that point, went to a different school. And my first day of uh, physical education, PE, 
after we did our stretches, it's normal to say, okay, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, uh-oh, here we go again. All the kids are going to find out that I can't run this and that. But something different happened this time. And I haven't tested it out at the time. And I started running. And I was able to keep up with the other kids. And I'm like, Paul, keep going, buddy. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. And I finished the lap. And on the outside, I kept it cool because I didn't want anybody to, to, to notice anything. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was like I ran a marathon. I was so happy with myself. Um, finally, I, I was in a situation where I was just one of the other kids. I didn't stand out. Um, things got a little bit easier for me, but I wouldn't say they were easy. I still walked with a little bit of a limp. I still held my right arm uh, slightly different than the other kids. And then I switched schools again when I got into junior high. And that's a tough age to switch schools. Already, already with no, no disabilities, that's a tough age to switch schools. Now, with somebody who walks with a limp that holds his right arm differently, having to go into a different school, it was hard. I was picked on pretty much from seventh to eighth grade pretty much almost every single day. And I remember going in my room each day and, and, and crying, going, why me? Why, why this? You know, all the time. And then I would say in the middle of my eighth grade, I just got fed up with it. I, I got fed up with crying all the time. I'm like, I don't want to cry anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, well, what can I do? What, what positive steps can I take? And at the time, I'm like, well, I love baseball. So I thought, well, you know what? why don't you make a goal for yourself? Why don't you make a goal that you are going to make your varsity baseball team in high school? And I'm like, okay, let's try that. So I started signing up for winter, fall, throwing a tennis ball on the garage. I was practicing every single day for this. And something, uh, another miraculous thing happened when I started this mindset change of, of this goal and, and playing baseball all the time, the other kids kind of saw that, the, the change in me. And instead of picking on me, they started rooting for me. I'm like, okay, Paul, you got this. And I'm happy to say by my junior year, I was able to make the varsity team. And then I played my, my senior year and, uh, you know, I've gone on to just continue not play baseball, but I, I ran a marathon. I, you know, I, somebody with cerebral palsy that wasn't supposed to be able to walk, ran a marathon, LA marathon. So, uh, so I kind of used this, this, this energy, this mindset, you know, from my childhood and, and pushed me through adulthood. And, you know, so ever since that, I've been interested in, you know, self-help books and, and underdog stories because I felt like I was an underdog. So, uh, you know, when I got into uh, my adult life, you know, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And I had a friend, and we, I got into a mortgage of sales actually was, you know, pretty good at it, made some pretty good money. But in the back of my mind, you know, after a while, it wasn't fulfilling anymore. And I'm thinking to myself, what do I really love? And, and you know, and I'm, I'm reading, you know, all these videos of self-help, motivation and stuff like that. I'm thinking to myself, that's what I want to do. That is what I want to do. I want to be able to help people, motivate people and use my story as a platform so they can go after whatever their, their dreams or goals are. And that's what brings me, uh, you know, basically to present day in a nutshell. I want to go back first. What a blessing your mom is that she didn't, I mean, yeah, you're diagnosed with something that's genuinely you're diagnosed with and there are struggles, but she didn't take what they said and push forward. So, that's a huge blessing and your dad was supportive too yeah absolutely um yeah both of them were uh, my mom was my voice at the time i mean i was an infant i didn't have a voice she was my voice and um i owe a lot to her i mean I, if, if she wasn't the person that she she was I, I i don't know where i would be so i i owe a lot there's there's nothing i can say to repay what, what my mom has done for me. And I, I'm so grateful to my mom. She's, you know, I'm still alive and she's uh, still fairly young. So, you know, I have a great, I still have a great relationship with my mom. So I think, you know, I, I, I there's not, words can't describe how I feel about my mom. Exactly. And parents, I mean, should be doing that and advocating for their kids and being a voice. But in a situation that's scary with the big with doctors who know so much more, it's hard not to just get sucked in. I mean, you would have been in a wheelchair by the time you were a year old, you know. Tell me a, 
more about physical therapy. You said 10 years, so I'm guessing you don't remember walking for the first time, but I can't imagine as a mom myself how incredible that would have been that you started walking. I mean, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, for that. What was the physical therapy like? Tell, can you talk me through it? Walk us through it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's been a while now, but yeah, I remember, you know, having to get up early in the morning, sometimes before school or after school going, I don't want to do this. And there was times where I, I was wearing a brace on my ankle. So I would wear long pants so that the other kids wouldn't know that I had a brace on, on my leg. And, um, you know, a lot of, I, I had to do a lot of swimming, a lot of motions with my, my right foot and my right arm, um, you know, over and over again, different activities to use my, my, my right side of my body. So they, they concentrate a lot on that. Um, but you know what, I, I you know, I, I don't remember the names of the nurses now, but, uh, you know, I had some great nurses uh, that, that really helped me, really encouraged me, you know, because there was days. You know, I, I remember as a kid going, I don't want to go, I don't want to get up early and go, go to physical therapy. I just want to sleep in or, you know, why do I got to do this and stuff like that? But, uh, you know, thank goodness my mom kept it off, you know, again, my mom, you know, saying, hey, no, you got to go. And, uh, you know, so it was a lot of, a lot of just, just working with my right arm, working on with my right foot, just trying to uh, gain mobility and strength so that, um, you know, that I could live you know, a more of a normal, uh, active life, you know, in adulthood. You didn't, nothing was painful, but it pushed you a lot. Yeah. I don't remember being in so much pain. I mean, obviously when I had my surgery, uh, I, you know, as I was six or seven at the time, I do remember a little bit of pain there, but no, most of the pain that I felt was, uh, probably mental and emotional pain, just, just dealing with, you know, kids, not understanding what, 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 you know, cerebral palsy, no, you know, kids don't know about that. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I you know, I go, go looking back, I mean, I, I can't blame them, you know, that they, they don't know, you know, they're kids, the kids don't have a filter, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, it was mostly emotional and, and, and mental pain that I felt more than physical. Did you notice a difference over time doing physical therapy? I know you were younger, but did you notice a difference in your ability, your mobility? And did you recognize that as a kid? Because most kids wouldn't probably. It would just be a pain. I, I did. I did. And it was right after I had my, my, my surgery on my foot is really when I started to feel the difference in my, uh, in, in my physical abilities to be able to, like I said, keep up with the other kids running a lap which, you know, which should be easy. But for me, it was like, I just ran a marathon and this is awesome. Um, so, so yeah, I did. And, um, you know, and the older I got the, and the more practice I would do, you know, after 10, you know, so I just started doing those practices on my own, you know, and, uh, you know, and playing baseball and stuff using, you know, all, you know, all my, in my left and right arm. Um, so yeah, so I started doing it on my own, but yeah, I, I slowly, but surely I, I, I saw a, a, an increase in my physical abilities. Yeah, absolutely. What, what did they do in the surgery? Uh, I believe they took the, um, the bone in my right foot and, and, and they, they tightened it and they tightened the tendons. It's a, it's a uh, typical surgery with somebody with cerebral palsy. And I guess it, it, it allows you to have more of a spring in your foot. So like when you run it, you can have a more of a spring because I, like when I, when I was younger, I didn't have that spring. So like, I, it was like, I was running quicksand and I, I couldn't go anymore because it, it, you know, it just, it hurt a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, so it basically tightened the tendon, moved the bone back a little bit so that I have a little bit more spring in my, in my right foot to, to, you know, run and, and, and walk and such. That's crazy. So it wasn't like deformed or off or anything like that. It just, you just needed more support in it. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yes. Not knowing anything about cerebral palsy myself. I mean, that's fascinating and incredible to me. And, yeah. and then working through the physical therapy to get past the surgery, then all of a sudden, that's a huge difference to be able to run and keep up with the kids. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, so, it was so great, like I said, because I, I, you know, I was so different than any other kids. And, and, and just that simple step of being able to run a lap or laps with the other kids made me feel like one of the, uh, one of the kids. 
and and not somebody who stood out. So yeah, it was it was extremely powerful for me. Isn't it crazy for all of us who want to be unique, people that want to be unique or that all we want to do is blend in? My sister had red hair. And all she, I, I thought it was the most beautiful thing ever because it was so different and unique, you know, and she hated it because she got picked on. So it's amazing the stuff that you, how much you just want to be normal when you're younger and then how kind of cool those differences are as you get older. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, you know, in high school, I mean, I think everybody feels that way in high school. You just, you're not, you're not, you're not a full adult yet. You're trying to figure out who you are. You got hormones. So you don't want to, you don't want to stand out too much. But then when you, when you start to realize who you are in adulthood and, and not really worry about what other people are thinking about you on air, on the daily, that's when you can really blossom into the person that you really are. Cause everybody's unique to whoever they are. And, uh, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing if you can embrace that. Amen. But that's hard as a kid. So you had to go through that. I mean, more growing pains than normal for sure. What hand do you write with? Uh, I'm left-handed. I'm, I'm dominant left-handed everything I do, uh, because of my cerebral palsy. I can do some stuff with my right hand, but I, I'm dominant left-handed for sure. I figured you were, but I yeah. Just in case you were going to like surprise us and slip something else in there. <laughs> made more sense. I mean, people are one hand dominant anyway. And cl yeah, clearly you were. I figured. I figured. So tell me about now junior high school is you're right. It's terrible for everybody, but more so for you. Tell me about your decision. I know I, it's so cool that your parents got you into sports and just talked to the coach. I would have done the same thing. And so you had exposure to sports. What drew you to baseball and what made you make the decision that you wanted to go for? That's a great goal. And then push so hard for it. Um, my dad, who's no, no longer alive, but my dad was a huge, huge baseball guy. Um, and so when I was younger, he would teach me, you know, about the players and about the sport and the rules. And, you know, because he would talk, we talk about it. We go to baseball card shows as kid at, at, when I was a kid. So I was immersed in it. I, you know, I loved it. I mean, I could, you know, at, at one point in time, I could tell you the whole starting lineup for the, both the Dodgers and the angels. And I, you know, I just, you know, I, I, that was my life. Um, you know, for, you know, growing up, you know, it was, it was a diversion for me too, just because of you know, the physical therapy that I was going through. And, you know, at the time, um, you know, it, from, I would say till probably about 10, I really didn't have that many friends. I mean, I had, I hung out with a lot with my cousins and such, but I guess they're forced to be my friends because they're family. But, uh, uh, I didn't have too many, too many friends, uh, you know, I mean, I did, I did. Um, I don't want to say I didn't have any friends. I did have friends, but uh, you know, when I started to gain a little bit more personality after ten, is when I started to really have friends and such. But uh, baseball was basically a friend to me, you know, a lot of times because I'm an only child too. So I, a lot of times I had to entertain myself. So a lot of times it was, you know, in the backyard pretending I was some baseball player hitting home runs, pitching ball, and and, and all that stuff. So. So it's just basically ingrained into me as a child. And um, so when I, when I uh, was in the freshman team, uh, they, 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 you know, like everybody was, you know, kind of joking around, BSing with each other. And I was, I was like focused in. I was like, okay, what, you know, you know, it was like the first day of tryouts. And I was, I wasn't joking around with, and I knew everybody. I mean, you know, we all went to school uh, together, going to the same school. Uh, but you know, I was, I wasn't about it. I was, I was about, okay. I, I was like in game mode. I'm like, okay, I really, I need to make the freshman team. How do, am I going to make the freshman team? So, uh, you know, I was laser focused on what, what the coach was telling me, you know, working on that. And so they're like, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm running drills, I'm going 110. And, and after a while, the, the, you know, the, the it could have gone uh, the other way too. Like I felt that, you know, the coach's pet or what, whatnot, but it, it didn't, um, you know, they saw the intensity that I had with, you know, my drills and everything like that. And, and, you know, and if anybody asked me, they're like, I, I would say, I, I want to be on the team. And uh, this is the only way I'm going to be able to get on the team because I don't have the athletic ability that a lot of these other kids do. I have to do it by sheer, 
sheer just will. I love that. And then they ended up rooting for you and doing everything they could to help you. So what was it like when you made varsity? Did you guys have like the, the paper in the hallway where you go up and read your name? How'd you find out? Uh, no, we didn't, I didn't have that. Uh, I would just, uh, basically what was going on my junior year, I was going, I was coming up back and forth from JV to varsity. Like I, I pitched. So like, you know, you know, some games that they needed, they needed some extra arms. So they would move me up to varsity and I would pitch a couple innings. Uh, and then, you know, and if they didn't mean me that they moved me down. And then obviously my senior year I was full-time varsity the whole time. So I was platooning my junior year. But, but getting a little bit of playing time, not much, but getting enough. And then my, uh, my, my senior year, I mean, I had my name in the paper. I threw a, a shutout, a, a three-hitch, zero, uh, you know, zero-run shutout uh, and some other, uh, other good games. Um, so, uh, and, I was able, and I was able to hit that year. You know, normally, you know, normally was, you know, I didn't hit most of the time. Most pitchers don't hit, but – they, they allowed me to hit a little bit and, you know, I, I did pretty well there. So um, it, it, it just was a good feeling. There wasn't like a thing on the wall. Basically it was, it's the, Hey Paul, you're going to varsity today. And you know, you get nervous. You're like, Oh crap. And then, you know, and when you're put in the game, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, you better, you better, you better perform. And luckily I did okay. And, uh, and I made it full time my senior year so glad that's a great story and perseverance what happened after high school so now we're bridging this gap between high school and now and i'm not guessing on how many years it's gone by <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm 39 i don't care i'm 39 so so we're, we're talking we're talking high i graduated 99 in high school um and so we're talking, yeah 20 years Okay, so in the last 20 years, did you go to college for, did you play sports after that? Was that ever an option for you? Uh, at that time, I didn't play anything uh, further than, than uh, the varsity uh, uh, baseball. I mean, because I mean, I made the team and that was great and you know, I was pretty good. Um, that next level, you know, you really needed to be recruited. You know, I, I did some tryouts and stuff. Uh, for you know a junior college, but it just didn't, it just didn't pan out. Um, but I was happy for, for, for what I where I got got from that. So then I went to uh, went to school, you know, at junior college for two years, and transferred to Cal State Fullerton in in California there. And then at that time, I thought I wanted to get into um, radio radio television film. I, I felt like I wanted to be a writer or a um, a sportscaster or something of that nature. And, um, you know, and part of going to college, you have to do an internship. So I did an internship uh, for, for a uh, detective show. It was a sci-fi detective show. It was really a strange show. I don't even know if they even made um, TV. And the, the, um, uh, you were talking about the 80s. Uh, the director of the show, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but do you remember the, uh, the movie Teen Wolf with Michael, Jack, uh, Michael J. Fox? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, his buddy, Scott Stiles or whatever, he was the director of, of, the, of the show. So, you know. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but anyway, so, uh, I, you know, first I was excited to have this gig, but I, I, I quickly learned that I did not like it. Um, you're working 16-hour uh, days, you know, and basically nobody knows your name. It's, hey, you, and then, they, and then I would get this list. I'd have to go to Starbucks, and then it would be like a long list of coffee. And, and if you messed up, you were in trouble. And, and, and everybody was so uh, unhappy. Everybody's smoking outside. You know, the director stinks. The producer stinks. The, the actors, they don't know what they're doing. And that was the whole environment was so negative that really turned me off of, of the industry, which is a shame because I'm sure that there's other – productions that aren't like that. I, I, I just unfortunately happened to be in one that wasn't very positive that I don't even think made it, but anyway. Um, and then, so, uh, and then uh, during that time, I, I talked to a uh, family friend of mine who's, who's, who's older than me, but you know, but you know, I looked up to as a role model and they asked me like, how do you like doing that? And they could read my body language that I didn't really like doing it. And they're like, 
you know what, he, because he was in the uh, mortgage industry, lending industry, he goes, if, dude, if you work this hard, this is the kind of money you make and stuff like that. So I kind of transitioned to do mortgages and, and, and built pretty much a, uh, you know, first, you know, 15 years of my uh, career life was in, in, in mortgages. So that, that was my journey that way in sales. So sports casting, journalism to mortgages. Yeah, yeah. That's about. <laughs> I mean, a lot of us have those journeys where you're. I mean, you, you're, you know, you're, you're not happy and don't want to continue doing what you're doing, and you get offered something else that you don't know. So there's no harm in trying, and if you like it, and it's a good career choice, then there's no reason not to stay in it for 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I love you know going into it. I, I really, really loved it and really enjoyed it. Um, and then you know when two thousand eight hit, two thousand nine, when you know the economy, you know went way down. Uh, it was you know a little bit of a tough period there, but you know I was able to bounce back. But the regulations they put on, uh, you know, the industry was tough. I mean, I, some of its stuff was warranted just because there was a lot of bad stuff going on, but. Um, it really took the 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 passion out of my uh, out of me. Because, for instance, this is one thing that just was was hard to deal with. Was um, when I, I I would get people secret shoppers, and they would be asking me if they they wanted a mortgage and this and that, and I would get in trouble if I did not say my mortgage license number. So there's times where I'm I get off a phone with somebody and I'm like, oh no, I had this great conversation, but I did not give my mortgage. ID number and I hope that they're not a secret shopper and I, I don't want to get in trouble. So I had these, these stresses on me that were like, I never had that stress before. I was always focusing on the client and worried about the client. But now I got to think about all this other stuff that I have to say and these disclosures that I have to say that just, you know, took, took the, took the drive out of me. That stinks. Well, 2008 was a pretty big hit for, uh, most of us. So I can understand in that industry. And so then what? So then, uh, so then I, uh, you know, again, I was starting to do some self searching and again, I've always been into, even when sales, you're reading, you're reading all kinds of self-help books, you know, motivation and motivational stuff. And I would watch these people talk at these sales rallies, you know, and they were so motivating. A lot of them were really, really good. I'm like, that's awesome. I was starting to think to myself, you know, how did, what did they do? How did they, how did, what, what, and so I started thinking, and they, you know, and then the, this word life coach came around, like, like a life coach. Uh, I, you know, I, I remember, this is, this is crazy. This is probably about uh, six or seven years ago. Uh, you know, I kind of knew what a life coach was and this and that. And, uh, you know, I just randomly sat next to somebody at our, at a restaurant and strike up a conversation and we're just talking about what we do. And he said, I'm a life coach. I'm like, a life coach. And I'm like, tell me more about this life coaching. And he was telling me what he does. I'm like, that's really interesting. So then a couple of years later, I'm thinking to myself, because I'm kind of getting burnt out in the mortgage industry for, for what I've told you about the examples I told you. So I started taking courses in, in, in this, in, in life coaching. And, um, and then, and I thought to myself, you know, what's going to set, set me apart? Because I, I started to research. I'm like, everybody's a life coach now. I walk down the street. Yeah, I'm a life coach. This is a life coach. Everybody's, everybody's a life coach. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, and, and the same thing with the mortgage stream. There's a lot of loan officers. So everybody's a loan officer or a realtor or whatever. So, you know, you have to find ways to uh, separate yourself. And part of the things that was going to separate me was making sure that everybody knew my story, where I'm coming from, because I think if, if you're vulnerable to your clients, they're going to be vulnerable to you because they, you built this trust on, you know, that, hey, I, I'm disclosing some very personal things about me that aren't always, you know, glamorous. And the, the, then they'll feel more comfortable to open up with what's going on in their lives. And then the, the, the second part is, is, is uh, you know, self-promotion, marketing, going on social medias. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic has, has, has kind of stifled me because I, I, I like, I also like, you know, do the social media stuff, but I also, I, I love the old school networking. I love going to networking events, talking with different people. I love that. I love that social interaction that's kind of been taken away from me for the last three months. So hopefully down, down the road, we can get back into doing stuff like that. So 
That's really interesting. So you decide you're going to be, you start looking into a life coach and then you sit next to one. It's always like that, isn't it? Like you Yeah, in the universe, you're opening your mind up, you know? What direction did you take and how did you accomplish going from the mortgage broker to launching your own business? So the first step, I think, in, in, in anything is, is you've got to start believing that you are this, that you're a life coach, okay? You're a life coach. So, so I started telling everybody, you know, telling, you know, and everybody thought I was joking around, you know, my colleagues in the mortgage industry. I go, I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to be, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be an astronaut. Help me be an astronaut. You know, so they give me these, these jokes about being a life coach and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm going to do it. And they're like, okay, whatever. So that was the first step. The first step was putting it out there in the universe that, that I am going to be a life coach. And that was, that was the number one step. I told everybody that I am going to be a life coach. So then I'm like, okay, now that I told everybody I'm going to be a life coach, what do you do now? So uh, I came across uh, a, 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 uh, a school. It was more, not really life coaching, but it was career coaching. But I, I you know, it, it's in the same vein. So I took a, a six months course in career coaching and I, and I really enjoyed that side of things. But I thought to myself, well, I want to focus more on the, on the life coaching than the career, which is good. I, you know, I know that the career is going to come up in life coaching, obviously. So you want to have that with, and that's where I got the, you know, the uh, training on the resumes and, and, you know, and knowing other people in HR, you know, to look it over and such. So, so I have that, that side of things. But, you know, with my story that I, that, I, that I shared with you, it's more on the life side of things. You know, it's more about mental and emotional strength and, and physical strength. But I would say more mental and emotional strength. And, and um, so that's where I wanted to gear it. And so I started kind of tinkering with my messaging. And I came up with what I wanted this to be. And I, I came up to be, I want to be a mindset coach. I want to preach the growth mindset. And, and, that, and that's kind of how... I, you know, got to where I am right now, but it's, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all a journey, you know, I'll evolve with the changing of times and everything changing. So, but right now that, that, that's my, my focus on helping people, uh, you know, break those limited beliefs and that's where I am. And that's kind of the, kind of the uh, lane I want to stay in for a while because I feel like I've been really resonating with the clients that I do have. Um, So kind of, kind of where I, I came. I'm surprised kind of, well, yeah, I am. I'm surprised that you hadn't considered some sort of coaching earlier, actually. Sometimes it takes something happening to get us out of our comfort zone. But with your past, it's such a direct, like I, I, when I knew a little bit about the story of your past and I knew what your website was, I was like, oh, I completely get how you got from your experience to your business. It made perfect sense to me, but that doesn't mean that it was a straight line. Uh, no, absolutely not. And I think what the, what the, the, the deal was with me was um, I was uncomfortable talking about me having cerebral palsy because all my life, I wanted to fit in. That was like my goal was to fit in. And I, and I didn't want anybody to give me special treatment. I wanted people to treat me like a normal a kid. And that was my mindset. And, um, you know, but I mean, I, 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 like I've, I've done some soul searching and, you know, I read some books and, and, you know, and thinking about vulnerability being a strength. And, and, and uh, once I accepted my story and felt like my story would resonate with a lot of people, that's really when, you know, the, the wheel started coming into play about me wanting to be a coach because I felt like what I can share of my struggles um, with dealing with cerebral palsy all my life, that, you know, I, they, that resonates with other people and other people in their lives and what they're going through. It's so funny that the thing that gives us the most credibility and the most reason why and and expertise is often the thing that's the most difficult for us to talk about. So I find that fascinating. Because it's personal. People don't want to dive that deep. It, it's, 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 an, it's an, it, like you said, it's very uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable to sit and talk about yourself in, a, in, in that vulnerable light. You know, a lot of people don't like to do that. So it, it's, it's not easy. What are your limitations, if any, now at 39? 
Uh, yeah, I still walk uh, with a slight limp, not nothing crazy. Uh, a little bit, I hold my right arm a little bit differently. My motor skills on my right side aren't as as crisp as it is on my left side. But not, I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, it, you know, after I've gone through the physical therapy and, and stuff like that, I, I really haven't used that as an, uh, a limitation or excuse to do whatever I wanted to do. But yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, a little bit on my motor skills, I would say, and. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing is my motor skills on my right side are, are, are a lot slower than on my left. And that's always been the case. And that's something that you've, I mean, you got past a huge amount of it. So from going to being told that you will never walk to being on varsity baseball, I mean, that's a pretty huge accomplishment. So that's not probably going to change. Is there a concern with cerebral palsy that it will get worse? Uh, well, yeah, if you do not, continue to do physical activity, strengthen yourself, yeah, then it could definitely get worse. But I mean, I feel like that could be with anybody, right? When, when we all get older, if we don't exercise, we're going to break down. So um, I, I make a point of, uh, of exercising each and every day. I, I still run, um, you know, and it's good positive, uh, you know, it keeps you positive. When you do exercise, I find, you know, uh, you know, running, you know, sometimes I let my mind just wander. It's kind of almost like meditating. I just thought, I'm just thinking about whatever's in my mind and I get what's called that runner's high and that euphoria that I feel. So um, I, I enjoy, you know, getting out and doing some physical activity still. I'm a runner. So I feel you. I told yeah. you, you know, running's interesting because it's not like it's your unconscious kind of like you're dreaming, but not that deep, but it's like stuff that comes up where you're like, where did that come from? You know? So in that sense, it's like when you dream and you're like, why in the world did I dream about that? Your thoughts when you're running to a lesser degree are very much like that, but you can process a lot that way too. Oh, I, I totally agree with that. I, that that's well put that you, that you said it. Cause I feel the same way. And you know, you know, it's funny too, is when I'm driving down the street, I can point out people that, that, that are in that runner's high and I get jealous. I'm like, oh, they're in their runner's high. I can see on their expression on their face that yeah. they're really, really in, in, in good thought right now. And it's great. And you can see when people are struggling too, but, uh, but uh, that, that I can see it in people's face and it makes me jealous. I'm like, I want to, I want to go out and run now because I want to feel that way too. I agree. And there's so much science behind 20 minutes of being outside, just walking, you know, just 20 minutes, just sit outside in your grass in your backyard, just moving your body is one thing. Being outside is another detaching from the busy world around us is another part of it. And there's tons and tons of science on how beneficial that is. So as far as mindset, then yeah, that would make a huge difference in anyone's life, regardless of that. But yeah, I'm glad that you're, I, I'm going to ask a weird question since I don't know. I assume other people don't know. The, the thing I love to do with runners, like when I'm in my car, when I'm in the passenger seat, especially, I see somebody running. I like to plaster myself on the window and be like, I could totally beat that person right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're also like really dorky and a little off some of us runners. So yes, but it is, you can recognize that those people that are just a little more like have it together and feeling pretty good about what's going on. And if you are like that, people around you will recognize it. Like you're not being a horrible person, but you, maybe you could use a run right now, like equalize yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, after I do, and I'm sure you do too, but after you, you do a nice run, you know, it, it, there's nothing better than that. I, no drug, no nothing in the world. After you do that run, you just feel so good. You feel like you can do anything. You can take on the world. It's such a great feeling. And that's why a lot of runners will be like, you know, I'm going to have to embrace the suck right now because the end goal, like I'm, I have to play the slightly long game because some, not every day is good weather. Not every run is a great run. Runner's high is sometimes elusive, but you know, in the end, even if it's, even if it's only the only thing you get out of it is that you finished. And there are those days. It's good. Do you use physical exercise in your mindset coaching? Oh, a hundred percent. You you have to. I I think it's it's a it's a natural high, and and if, and and people and just for any for their for their well being, you know, physically, mentally, everything. 
uh, you know, I, I do tell them, I mean, and I don't, I don't need, I don't tell them to run a marathon or anything like that. I mean, if they have limitations, believe me, I know about limitations, you know, but if, you know, like you talked about, take a walk, you know, there's nothing better than having sun on, on your face. Vitamin D is so important that we don't get enough of it because of life. You know, everybody works indoors and, you know, you get busy, but if you can take, like you said, 20 minutes, just go outside and, and take a walk. Yeah. So good for your psyche. And like you said, the same thing with, with walking, you know, I mean, it's different. Um, but even when you walk and, and just let your, your mind just wander on just whatever your mind takes you, that, that's very therapeutic too. So uh, people know how to get in touch with you because I have your, the link to your website in the show notes. Who should reach out to you? Do you have something that is comes up more predominantly, um, an ideal client? I, I guess I mean, my ideal client is somebody that 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 wants greatness and in, in whatever it is, personal business, whatever it is, but just doesn't have that. Um, you know that just I don't know how to get started. I'm kind of stuck in my own ways. Uh, I, I just want to be that guy to bring that out of you. So I would say somebody that just wants better for themselves in some sort of way. And it could be small, it could be big, whatever it is. Uh, I'd love to be able to help you and, and bring out that great person that you are because everybody's great in their own way. Everybody's unique and everybody has talents. We just got to find it. That's, that's the thing in, in life. You know, we talk about passions, you know what I mean? And, and, and it, and you know, it, People may not know what their passion is at 18. Most people don't know what their passion is at 18 because, you know, they haven't experienced anything yet, you know, and, and passions change, you know, you, you, you get, you, you're passionate about something in your twenties and you know what, you lose your passion on something and something else gains your attention. So it's, it's constantly changing and, and don't be uh, mad at yourself or beat yourself up. You're like, I really haven't found my passion at 60, 70. It's okay. As long as you keep trying to find what it is and experiencing new things, that's, that, that, that's it right there. It's, it's not the end game. It's the journey. I always have this, uh, this analogy. You know, when you watch kids build Legos, mm -hmm. their favorite time on building Legos is when they're building, actually building. You know, they, they could, they, they may have fun telling their mom or their friends on what they built. But when they're really enjoying themselves is actually when they're building Legos. And that's what we're doing. We're building Legos. We're living the journey. It's the journey that matters. You know, our destination could change at any time, but we got to enjoy the present. That's actually true. The journey is so much more fun. It's a little bit difficult, though, and sometimes frustrating. So the great thing about having a mindset coach is that we're not doing any, you could do it on your own, but having a accountability and priority and that guide, like you said, is so vital to help get you to the next level because it's hard to go it alone and we don't need to. Yeah. And I would say the, the biggest thing that I do is, is the motivation. I'm able to point out the positive things that, that people are doing because a lot of, you know, the, the, you're, you're the, you're, yourself is the worst critic of yourself. So sometimes you get in this, in, this, in this zone where you're just like, oh, that's no good. That's no good. That's no good. And it takes somebody going, wait a minute. That's excellent. You're, you're doing something great here. And, you're, and they're like, wait, what? 